holiday season is a time of joy and merriment, celebrating with loved ones, remembering the reason for the season, and so many good things. However, it often comes hand in hand with a roller coaster of emotions, especially when it comes to food in our bodies. Our goal in this podcast is to help you stay off this emotional roller coaster and instead enjoy a smoother, less turbulent ride. Imagine it as a gentler, less intense version without those giant dips in the middle. We've all been there, but that's the great news. We don't have to get on the ride. We certainly don't have to ride it all the way to the bottom. So we're going to start by debunking some of the most common false beliefs and myths that really tend to steal our joy during the holidays. Together, we're going to fill in all those false belief drops with knowledge that will keep those roller coaster drops at bay. So join us. It's time to enjoy a smoother, more joyful holiday season. Are you ready to change your tomorrow and start feeling good again? You're in the right place. Grab your coffee and together, let's start doing wellness differently. I'm Heather Young, a certified personal trainer. And I'm Jennifer Klutz, a registered dietitian nutritionist. Join us for conversations that will inspire you to ask better questions, remove the overwhelm, and discover what you can do to change your health now. Welcome to the Critical Conversations Podcast. Welcome. Today, we're diving deep into the myths that often sneak into our minds during the holiday season. They just threaten to steal all of our joy and our happiness. So grab a cozy blanket, your favorite warm drink, and let's debunk some common health and wellness myths that might be sabotaging your holiday joy this year. I'm Jennifer Klutz, a registered dietitian nutritionist. And I'm her sister, Heather Young, a certified yoga therapist and a personal trainer. Okay, Jennifer, I think that if you're a woman in America, it will be very hard to find someone who hasn't heard of the different lies and myths that we're going to be tackling today. I mean, we used to believe some of them when we were teenagers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was many of them that I thought were truth. Yeah. And then I remember Based learning- on science. <laughs> Based on science. Yeah, le- legitimately. Yeah. Because the people I learned them from seemed trustworthy. Yes. Right? And then in their defense, I'm thinking that the people they learned them from, they also thought were trustworthy. Because I remember sitting in school and slowly learning why most of these myths that we're going to tackle are completely false, and my jaw hit the floor. And I was like, oh my goodness, there's people walking around just like me that believe these things, and they it was stealing their freedom, it was yeah. stealing their joy. I would say once you tackle these myths, the holidays are absolutely positively much lighter and brighter. Absolutely. Which is why we want to talk about them so that hopefully you walk around this year lighter and brighter because you can reframe when these thoughts sneak into your head, when these beliefs try and come back in because they will, because again, most of us believe them. Now you're going to learn reframes with truthfulness that help you break up with the cycle and just start changing the holidays for forever, honestly. I agree. And I'm excited. So let's dive into the first one. The first false belief that steals your joy is, I've gained so much weight after this holiday event. Yep. Most people step on the scale right after a big event, the next day. Like to try and dispel the belief, 
you know, try and calm yourself down that you didn't eat too much, mm-hmm. that weight gain didn't happen. And this is exactly the worst thing you can do because it's inevitable that the scale will be up and there's science behind this. So a big one, the one that typically trips up most people is you had increased salt consumption at any holiday event slash meal that you go to. It's inevitable. So the science behind this. So just consuming 400 extra milligrams of sodium will inevitably cause you to retain about four cups of water, which equals about roughly two pounds on the scale. Right. And so then the average holiday event, average holiday meal, most the average person consumes around 1400 milligrams of extra salt on top of what they normally do. So this is absolutely the extra five pounds that most people experience when they step on the scale is due to this phenomenon right here. That's nuts because that's about the exact reflection of what that five pounds is. Yes. And you might be going, but sometimes I see more. And that is also possible because not only if you eat extra salt does this phenomenon happen, but you can also consume extra carbohydrates. And this will impact someone who naturally eats lower carbohydrate, tries to avoid carbohydrates, um, because again, science, one gram of carbohydrates causes the body to hold on to three grams of water to actually utilize that carbohydrate. So this is the inevitable false belief around someone who's going off of a low-carb diet, or let's say they did keto, they'll go, oh, I, I gained weight. What you see at the beginning of that is not actually fat gain. It's gaining back the water that your body was not holding on to well because you were eating so little carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. And the good reframe on that is you don't want a body that's a desert. So I find that someone would say, well, I don't want that weight. And so therefore I don't want that water. But that water is life. That's your cells working well. Carbs are a way that your body really helps utilize, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it makes you not a desert inside. So it's not a bad thing that carbs are going to make you hold on to water. Absolutely not. And I would say overall, just to live well and healthy, my perspective is if you are afraid of carbohydrates, that in of itself is a barrier to having a good relationship with food. But you layer on top of that, let's say you're going on and off eating carbs. Mm -hmm. That's just a recipe to give yourself mental distress because inevitably you're always going to see the scale go down a little bit you know, anywhere from two up to 10 pounds. And then you're going to see it go up the same two and 10 pounds. And this is the cycle that many women get into. You're you're quote unquote losing the same two to 10 pounds over and over again, but you're not actually losing fat. Many people are, are losing just water over and over and over again because they're not understanding this phenomenon and not actually utilizing a calorie deficit when they're trying to change body composition. Right. So it's a knowledge that can not only be useful for post-holiday parties, but just for your body in general. Yes, because inevitably those carbohydrates, again, they're going to make you gain anywhere from, I'd say on average with a holiday party, what I see with working with people, anywhere from one to five pounds. Mm-hmm. So again, we're if you're keeping track, we're sitting at anywhere from five to 10 pounds of water weight currently, depending on if you don't eat a lot of salt in your everyday diet, 
And if you don't eat a lot of carbs, it's going to impact you more. On top of that, on top of that, if you drink alcohol, this will also contribute to Mm -hmm. weight gain on the scale because alcohol causes fluctuations in water. Most easily said, it can dehydrate you. And when you get dehydrated, again, your body is smart. It needs to make sure that you don't actually lose all of your water. And so it will start to retain water to prevent you from getting dehydrated from that alcohol consumption. So again, you're going to see temporary weight gain on the scale. That's good to know. On top of that, you ate a big meal. That's a lot of food. It's true. Especially for food a, has weight. It has right? to be digested. It has to be digested. And again, I hate pointing out this fact because I think it's really lame. Um, I'm just going to be really honest. If you have a mental frame where food you eat and the weight that it causes when it sits in your body to be absorbed and digested, if that stresses you, I would encourage you to work with someone yeah. because that is, it's not a healthy mindset. You need that food. You need to digest and absorb that food. And so that weight legitimately should not matter to you because it's needed weight. Your body should be weighing what it weighs with food inside of it because we cannot survive or live or thrive without food. Mm -hmm. And so just my nice encouraging note on this, but I do want to mention it because again, we're trying to break up with the fear around the scale and parties and just food in general. And being aware of what will impact that helps you realize the biggest point, which I'm just going to break in and mention right now, is that you should not be stepping on the scale the day after a party. Right. That's rule number one. That's rule number one. It's not necessary. It's unnecessary. Um, And if you do feel compelled to step on the scale the day after a party and you know this information, again, I'm going to very nicely encourage you that that is a red flag for you need to work with someone. Um, because that's not a normal behavior when you even understand the fact that when you step on that scale, it will be up because there's just no way around these phenomenons. Right. But these phenomenons are exactly why the myth exists, because the average woman who doesn't know steps on the scale, looks down, sees a tremendous change, feels terrible about herself and thinks it was the party and sees the number as fat. Which is, well, I'll just go out there and say we just need to do an episode on the scale in general because the number is not just indicating fat. Yes, because many women are using the data that is from a scale and misinterpreting it. Right. And not understanding what the fullness of what that truly represents. It does not just represent fat. You do not weigh 150 pounds of fat. Yes. So, and that's a bigger, deeper conversation that's also more freeing as you start to understand what you're truly seeing on the scale. But with that being said, the last layer on top of this, and there's actually a lot of layers, if you did a workout the day before this event, or you say you went and you worked out before the event, again, that's going to cause water changes and fluctuations from just that process, which again will cause you to retain water. And then on top of that, Hormonal changes, where you are within your cycle, will impact, again, that fluid retention and that water weight that you will see on the scale. And these are just the top ones that impact the scale. There's also a lot of little odd ways that the body will choose to retain water that will impact what you see on that. And so I guess the simple way, simple thing that we would say is do not step on the scale because, again, it's going to reflect 
water retention. It is absolutely inevitable. Okay. So the next false belief that steals your joy is just one level down from that. First, you have the parties, you have the holidays, but then you have this idea where you're like, okay, I can gain weight from one meal. And this one's in here because I believed this one very much. We had a family Christmas party. It was huge. There was a ton of food. We'd be there. And I would was convinced when I was in high school that if I enjoyed every single thing I wanted at the party, I was going to gain weight. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say it with no shame. I used to believe that. I definitely did too. Before before understanding food and how it works. Because it goes with the first one. But you came it, home with so much salt, so much water weight. You felt like you gained right. weight. And the scale said you did. But again, in this this myth, though, it's saying that one meal caused you to gain actual weight. Yeah. And it's just water retention. Yeah. It's, and again, weight, many variables to weight. But I think what many people get stuck on is that they gain fat. Right. And again, false. Because it takes 3,500 calories to gain one pound. It is extremely difficult to eat that much food for the average person at a holiday party. Mm-hmm. They've actually done studies on this. You cannot, like the average person is not eating this many calories. It's a perceived belief that you're eating thousands upon thousands of calories. Especially the average woman. I would say our brothers or my husband could could get close on something. But for the average woman, I just don't see how that's uh, comfortable. No, it is the average person needs at least 2,000 calories <laughs> to live each day. Right. So that factor alone. Right. You're you need that. Right. So, again, you haven't even hit thirty five hundred calories. You've only hit fifteen hundred in excess. Right. And then you would still have to eat, you know, twenty five hundred more or two thousand more to actually gain just one pound. And people believe they've gained pounds upon pounds at one meal. And it's like scientifically wise. It is physically impossible. And that's the thing. We want to put this out there because it's such a deep breath when you're like, I know what my brain is telling me and I know what people have told me my whole life, but it can't be true because I enjoyed food. I ate to fullness and I can't possibly have gained the weight that my body or my brain is telling me that I've gained. Does that make sense? It's a deep breath to know that that's just not how it works because you don't absorb hundred percent of what you eat. You needed some of those calories to live anyway. Uh And so the math doesn't add up. And so you can take a deep breath. Yes. When you start to understand that your body is much smarter than that, but also you are much smarter than that, then you can start to relax more and enjoy the events and not get so caught up in, you know, the calories or the beliefs that this is, you know, too fatty or this is too sugary Mm -hmm. and all the things that prevent you from being present and enjoying the experience. Because if you believe that you can gain you know, even one pound from one eating experience, that's anxiety causing. It is because then you think you can mess it up. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many layers of science that say they can't possibly be true. And to go back to that holiday party, the thing I think is hilarious is our family was always tasked with bringing games to play. And we would come up with some pretty crazy Christmas games. Oh, yeah. You were running across the yard to get one candy cane. Yes. We... (laughs) Neat calories, yeah. that non-exercise activity thermogenesis, neat calories, they're the calories you burn just existing and moving and doing life. And I never even in my, again, my high school days accounted for the fact that I was running around all day playing all these holiday games, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> burning so many calories playing games. 
So it, your, your, you know, formula that this had to gain weight isn't even necessarily accounting for neat calories either. No. And to play devil's advocate here within this conversation, is it so bad to have gained one pound? Yeah, that's something else to sit with. Right. That's the, the, uh, the reverse psychology of this is, again, so if you go up one pound, which in from my perspective, understanding food and the body, that's insignificant. Mm-hmm. It's especially long term. Especially long term. Like you're going to adjust back down. But uh, my high school brain would have probably told you that it was. Right. And uh-huh. that's that's the chain versus freedom. Right. That's the disordered thinking that mm-hmm. we're all channeled into from a very young age. Because honestly, I don't know who needs to hear this. One pound is insignificant. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, too, and I realized this in studies later on, they say it takes somewhere between you'll notice the 10 pounds that you gain. You'll see a slight difference in the mirror. Most people, because they're distracted, they're living their own life, they won't actually really notice and say, oh, she gained weight until you've gained 20 pounds, which is a significant change in the body. That's nowhere near one pound. No. And in general, the average human is going up and down in weight on average around five to seven pounds. I know. Pounds. And it's so freeing and to you know just that. you don't know it <laughs> because thankfully you're not stepping on the Hopefully scale all you the don't time. Know it. It's just based on, you know, yeah, how your clothes fit. And I also think that's freeing to understand that in general, you're going to have a, a, especially as a female with the hormone cycle, you are going to fluctuate around five pounds throughout a month, inevitably, unless you have the most tightly controlled hormone surges ever, which that is not the average female. Right. But it's also not even taking into account like max because yeah. with the mass cell activation, you can go up 10, 10 20 pounds, pounds yeah. in just, you know body fluid retention. And again, we're still talking often about water retention and fluid, but in general, the average person does go up and down in average weight. Yes. Not just due to water retention. Yeah. But again, that becomes harder and harder to be comfortable with and to be fine with if your mindset is first stuck on one pound being significant. Right. Right. Because the more significant that becomes, the more likely you are to try and micromanage and be extremely rigid and freak out if you even see a one pound change. Right. So you've got two things to tackle, both the science side that says it's probably not true and it probably wasn't actually a pound of weight gain. And then the other side that says, but what if it is true? Is that a problem or is that actually something that a healthy body will do and go up and down in that weight? Right. And Within this, speaking truth over your mind, yeah, reframes as I call them, you want to remind yourself and separate from what the myths are and what culture says and what the truths are. And so some things that you can say when, you know, Miss Negative Nancy tries to tromp in and convince you that what you're seeing on the scale is a problem. And again, do not weigh yourself after a party yep. or event, <laughs> but is that your body is smart. And that you didn't gain technical fat, you gained water weight. And again, are you comfortable with small amounts of weight gain as you are with weight loss? Because the psychology there, which we'll have to dive more into that probably, is can you be comfortable with a little up and a little down? Because Mm -hmm. if you can't be, that's going to drive more um, stress. That's going to drive 
different erratic behaviors that are maybe not in your best interest. But the biggest thing that you can do after a party is to return to your normal eating pattern because you are going to feel less puffy. You're going to feel more comfortable because, again, this water retention absolutely is going to change how your pants fit. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're someone who really tends to retain water easily, you're more salt sensitive. Right. You're going to notice it. And so the mindset coaching to give yourself is I just need to return to my normal behaviors, my normal patterns, and my body is going to regulate this fluctuation. And eventually, I'm not going to be holding on to all of this water. And the fastest way to get there is to go back to your normal routine. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, focusing on the memories that you made or the good time you had. Granted, I understand that sometimes that is not the case <laughs> and drama has unfolded. Yes. Conflict happened. But again, then the reframe there is, what are you responsible for and what can you control from that unfortunate holiday party <laughs> that's yours to take with you versus not? True. But the biggest thing is your body is smart. It will adapt and adjust to the fluctuation in food intake and water. Yeah. And there's such a beautiful piece that comes alongside knowing that and claiming that is truth. Definitely a lot less of a big dip when... Uh, you believe that. So the next false belief that steals your joy is uh, still on the food theme. I need to save calories by skipping meals. I also did this one. I would skip breakfast for that family party because I would <laughs> and go ravishingly hungry. So tell me about that one, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to dive head first into the buffet table <laughs> or or just the food in general? Yeah. That is that is what this myth will produce. Yes. It will set you up to be on a stress hormone roller coaster, right? Because the reminder and something that many people get forget about, right? You need food to do the walking, the talking, and the doing of things. Yes. And so you skipping your morning meal means that your body to have you walking, talking, and doing the things had to tap into what we call your secondary energy system, which is false energy, and use cortisol to keep you doing all the things. And this is a big thing that trips people up is your body is not meant to run on air. It can't run on air. But diet culture that the whole diet culture industry is set up with building a mindset that you're supposed to live without food mm -hmm. honestly that's what i see and so then you cultivate a belief system around how do i not have any food how do i avoid food and it's the exact opposite of how the body thrives and runs it's not how we were designed to live we were designed to run on food you die without food. Yeah. And so that is, that's basically what skipping calories sets you up for. It sets you up for, I'm going to be the highly irritable person <laughs> that someone said something insignificant. And because I'm hangry and I have raging stress hormones, AKA adrenaline cursing through me because I didn't eat anything. And that's what my body's using for energy. I'm going to get snippy and create some conflict at this party because I arrived without any fuel in my system. I personally experienced it. I become 
and not me (laughs) when I am hungry. So believe me, the skipping the meals before the party didn't benefit me, but it's, it's, it's really frustrating because you're a different person when you're not fully fueled. Yeah. And I do believe that with all the women that I've coached through this, unfortunately, it's not something you believe until you experience it. Mm-hmm. Until you see that you have a completely different personality in a fed state and realize, oh my gosh, the coworker said the irritating thing that I normally lose my mind about. And I was like, yeah, who cares? I'm going to go back to my work. Until you get to experience the difference of, wow, I really am not just someone who's constantly jumping on people and being irritable and hangry. I just have been walking around not eating consistently. That's a big, it's a big switch. Yeah. It's a big new way of thinking. And so there's a lot of barriers to that. But if just this holiday season, you can give yourself the gift of not going to these events on an empty stomach, on not have eaten anything, I promise you the experience will be different. Right. And so I think for someone out there listening who just doesn't know, it's an amazing way to be empowered and be like, oh, well, I've been told this thing to skip, you know, save the calories, skip the meals. And now I know it's not a great idea. I do think you'll have a completely different experience. And if that sounds hard to you and you're afraid of giving away the calories, then again, that's a good time to work with someone and explore that. Yes, because the reframe around that is by going hungry, by going in the state that you are and these stress hormones being activated, they have messed with your hunger and fullness cues. They have messed with your perception of food Mm -hmm. and you will inevitably eat more and well past what you would find satisfying or satiating because these hormones thought you were starving. For some reason, you didn't have access to a food that day. And that's what these stress hormones are designed to do. They're designed to keep us from harming ourselves, honestly. That's how I see them. And it's going to tell you to eat more at that meal. You are going to be more hungry, less satiated with what you are eating and less satisfied because those cues that normally tell you that you've had enough, that the meal is delicious, you can stop eating now, have been reduced. And instead, the cues that tell you you should eat more, that you're not satisfied, that you should still be hungry, have been increased when you go in on this type of a stress state. Yep. And I think that's the biggest argument for just letting this myth die and taking that huge dip out of the roller coaster is that you're not going to end up saving calories anyway. Your body is way smarter than that. It's going to eat that number anyway. So if you had enjoyed your morning, eaten your breakfast, come to the party like a normal person, you're going to end up eating the same amount of calories as if you didn't enjoy your morning, skipped breakfast, went to the party, saving those calories that are going to get eaten anyway with extra food that your body is going to make you eat. Does that make sense? You're not gaining calories. So it's not a good strategy. Because what I typically see is then the roller coaster dip continues and then it's the next day and the next day and the next day because the mindset is because of these myths. Oh, I wrecked it. Oh, what the hell? I'll just do this. I'll just keep going. I might as well just eat the whole sleeve of cookies because it doesn't matter. And the reframe around that is Would you, if you saw someone else treating themselves that way, 
would you say that's how you should be taking care of yourself? Right. Is that how someone should be living out their day by not taking the time to eat consistent meals, to not fuel themselves, to not give themselves care, but instead try and skip a meal because you haven't earned it, because you ate too much before? The flip of that is that's going to walk you right up to a cliff that you're going to fall off of. Yeah, not good places. That roller coaster gets really ugly. (laughs) That's a broken one. Sadly, the roller coaster runs off the tracks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So again, if this is something you just don't know, it's just a myth you've been told. It's something where you can take away that emotional roller coaster and that physical roller coaster from your holiday experience. So Jen, give them an action plan. Like what's the opposite? The opposite is eat breakfast, eat before you go to the meal. It obviously depends on what time that meal is, right? but you should have ate at least three to four hours before that meal, because otherwise you are walking in on a blood sugar roller coaster. So your goal is to eat around every four-ish hours to keep your blood sugar balanced. Just in general, to have normal, healthy eating, you should be eating Some people argue every four or five hours. It kind of depends on how stressed you are naturally, how well your body utilizes glucose for energy. But that's a deeper conversation. Just the simple rule of thumb is you should be eating every four hours to keep yourself really stabilized. And then that's going to prevent you from walking up to, you know, the dessert table or the buffet table or just all the food and saying, oh, that looks good. I'm, I'm piling my plate so high because, again, your hunger cues, your hunger hormones have been completely messed with and your eyes have definitely become bigger than your plate. So you just mentioned the dessert table and Mm -hmm. that leads us into our next false belief. And I I think it piggybacks on it nicely because the next false belief that steals your joy is, oh, you can't be trusted at dessert table. So fill up on vegetables. I hate this one. (laughs) Especially those, you know, those really nice cold cut carrots and celery. And I think they get part of their because people try to eat those before their holiday parties. First of all, eating anything out of guilt, not because you You want to want to or you understand the benefits of it. It's it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Those veggies, those sad, the raw broccoli, the raw cauliflower, the raw carrots. Man, I, I remember trying to eat raw broccoli and cauliflower because I was told it was healthy. I remember using ranch dip to get it down and then feeling the digestive discomfort coming on. building. So this is why I really, really, really dislike this one. That's, yes, it's giving you fiber, which many people are telling you, oh, this is going to help keep you full. This is going to help keep you satisfied. From my perspective, especially if you do not regularly consume raw vegetables, This is just a recipe for you to have a giant stomachache post-meal. Not only a giant stomachache, but bloating that is uncontrollable. And you have to unbutton your pants and you're just going to be miserable. But see, here's the funny part. People are like, oh, it's because I ate so much. I'm such a little piggy. Yes. And they'll have this terrible mental train running in their head, but really it's just the vegetables, the slow digesting vegetables backing everything up and making their wasteland expand by the inches. It's so funny to me because it just, it reinforces the myth of weight gain because of the choice to try to avoid it with raw vegetables. And the myth that, oh, when I go to these events, I eat too much. Yes. Right. Because patterns matter. 
And these types of meals throw your eating pattern off, especially if you're adding on these myths and false beliefs on top of it, right? Oh, I need to load up on the salad. I need to load up on the raw veggies. And you never do that in your daily routine of how you daily eat, right? you are going to be miserable because fiber digests slowly. But on top of that, if your body is not used to that amount of fiber at a meal, the good bacteria in your gut, that's what digests fiber. It's what absorbs it, what handles it. And they're going to be lit up like little Christmas trees. (laughs) And you're going to be producing all the air, all the gurgling, all the gas. Because again, your, your gut isn't used to this. It's not consistently what it sees. Our bodies are efficient. And so it wants to see the same thing over and over again. And these types of anomalies. So unfair to give it a gift to unwrap at the Christmas party that is just veggies. <laughs> yes. So I, I know I'm a dietitian, but you have full permission. <laughs> Do not eat the raw veggies at the party. <laughs> yeah. Just, just say, I'm good. I was actually told that I should skip these because I can end up more bloated afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the veggies lead into the next myth because you're being told to choose them not only to keep you full, but they also kind of offset guilt, this guilt that comes around that says the false belief that steals your joy of um, all holiday foods are unhealthy. Yes, the the overarching umbrella that just causes complete mental distress and essentially just wrecks the holidays, is that, oh, holiday food is so unhealthy. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be eating this. The, the shouldn't be eating this that everybody hears over and over and over again. And again, shouldn't be eating this is going to drive random behavior. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to create a forbidden fruit phenomenon where that cookie is something you shouldn't be having. Oh, and then we layer on top of that, this is the only time of year I can eat this. And so I need to eat as many as possible because it's going to be a whole year before I'm going to eat it again. It's just going to set people up to be on the roller coaster of, you know, feeling the high of, yay, that was so good. I loved it. To then the low of, oh my gosh, I have so much guilt. I shouldn't have ate that. I shouldn't have had that many. And then it just continues over and over and over again, those ups and downs. So how do we shift this belief? So just in general, recognizing the nutrient diversity in healthy foods can be a powerful perspective change. I agree. Right? The, our diet culture tries to get you to just see sugar, sugar, sugar. Uh-huh. And it, you don't see the new and diverse foods that you're adding into your diet, like the pumpkin and the sweet potato. Cloves. and the And then all the spices, the cloves, the cinnamon, the turmeric, the nutmeg that have so many good health benefits yes. for you. Right. It's just let's focus on one thing and have you be stressed out about it and completely zoom in. Right. So you're just micro focused on one part instead of zooming out and recognizing that it's bringing in new foods that have different vitamins and minerals and nutrients in it, but also bringing in a lot of good spices and extra things that are giving your body, you know, anti inflammatory benefits and, you know, helping your good bacteria and all these different ways that diversity in choices brings. Yeah, I think that's a really cool perspective shift because I don't, it's true, holiday foods are special and so delicious because they are unique and diverse and you're not eating them all the time. 
So shifting from thinking, oh, this is so unhealthy, and instead shifting to understanding that the holiday meals can contribute to overall nutrient intake, it shifts it from a place of negativity to a place of a positive mindset of sitting down at that meal and going, oh, wow, how lucky am I that I get to eat this? But two, how cool that I'm eating all these different foods. I'm exposing my body to new things and I'm, I'm made to eat. I'm designed to eat. Mm-hmm. And so I get to give myself these nourishing, delicious, different foods and I get to enjoy every bite of them. That's a huge mindset shift is that it's weird how we can box in these holiday parties and meals as in like, that's the devil you see that's going to make you gain weight when in fact it's the dinner you were supposed to eat or, you know, the lunch or the family breakfast. It's a meal you were, you're meant to eat. You're meant to have those meals. I just think in kind of micromanaging them, we forget that you're supposed to eat the meal. Yeah. We hope you found this episode insightful and helpful and helped you get some tools that you need in your toolbox to really make this holiday season truly enjoyable. Before we wrap up, here's a quick reminder. The festive season is about cherishing the people you love and making lasting memories. So don't let stress or false beliefs rob you of soaking up this holiday season. I agree. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of Critical Conversations. If you've enjoyed the episode, we'd love for you to share it with friends or family who might need a little extra help unwrapping their own joy this holiday season. Until next time, remember, you have the power to make those mindset shifts and have this holiday season be so much lighter and brighter. If you've made it to the end, you're amazing. You've chosen to spend a portion of your limited time in life with us in your ears and your brain space, and that's something we're so grateful for. Here's your reminder to be kind to yourself in the process of any change. If someone you know came to mind while you were listening to this podcast, hit share They'll know you were thinking of them and have the opportunity to learn too. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, please like it, subscribe to it, share it, or leave us a five-star review. It helps so much more than you know. We're glad you're here and we're glad you're part of the Critical Conversations community where together we're learning to ask better questions and choosing to do wellness differently. So Jennifer, I have a joke for you. Really? How many wellness professionals does it take to change a light bulb? Two? (laughs) I don't know. Just one. But the light bulb has to want to change. (laughs)